Hello, and welcome to 8 Minutes to Ageless, the podcast committed to teaching you the minimalistic approach to becoming bold and not old. On this 20-minute weekly podcast, you will learn how to care for your body and mind while spending the bare minimum amount of time to be successful. I know that life is full, so full that we tend to put our own needs on the back burner and in some cases are simply too confused to figure out what to do, so we do nothing. This podcast is designed to help you leave regrets behind and start caring for yourself no matter your age, so you can grow older and like it, and I might say even love it. My name is Dr. Kelly Pearson, and I am the host of this podcast. I'm a practicing chiropractic physician and author of Eight Minutes to Ageless. Over the past 40 years, my patients have taught me so much about what not to do that I finally just had to get this book written and podcast started. But before we begin, I want to thank all of you who read my book and keep sending me inspiring comments that you're getting your life back. That makes all the difference and makes me smile. Well, hello there. Whether it's your morning, your afternoon, your evening, I would like to say hello once again. And today we're going to talk about a couple patients I saw this week because honestly, every patient I see, there is a backstory, a backdrop. Um as to why they got in the space they're in, in terms of their pain. And I'm gonna share just a couple with you to see if it resonates and see if you can apply it to, to your own life. So let's take the first gentleman. He's in his late thirties, a big, a big, strong young man. And his identity has always been around being able to play really fairly aggressively, whether it's volleyball or or soccer or and whatever seasonal sport it is and he's very apt but he grew up in a culture where a lot of complaining just never got him anywhere so he didn't and in essence he had a belief system that kind of was given down to him from from his parents that you know you just buck up and uh, the body will do what it can do and you just move on. Well, so when I saw him, he had both um, notable right shoulder pain and notable left knee pain, both of which were keeping him from play, but he, he would play competitively um, every, every other night or try to and would do it. Somehow the adrenaline would overcome and then his pain would get worse. So when I saw him, I recognize that he had a couple things going on. One is that he absolutely had a belief system around stretching being stupid <laughs> and kind of a waste of time. And maybe, maybe to go so far as to say, you know, real men don't stretch. And that sounds like a bit of a stretch, but I think there was some truth to that for him. And so stretching seemed worthless. Maybe he'd done it before and he never really got anywhere. So now I've got this guy who has developed some postures that are really hard on really hard on his knee because when he would bend over and get ready uh, for the ball to come across the net, let's say with volleyball, when he bent, his knees were really in, ended up far forward of his toes, meaning that if he looked down at his knees, he wouldn't be able to see the tip of his toe. And you know, you think about somebody getting set, getting ready to get a pass or send a pass in basketball. You know, they've got that nice set stance and their butt is far enough back 
so that there's a nice bend in the hip and the knees can still be over the toes, not in front of the toes. But if you don't bend at your hips and you want to scrub, you want to kind of crouch down preparing for something, what will happen is your knees will be forced to push over your toes and your quadricep tendons do not like having to bear the weight of your entire body with your knees in that amount of flexion, that amount of bend. It's hard on them and it can result in exhaustion and then tendonitis, so you're getting patellar or kneecap pain. And every time you go and get in that posture, the knee pain comes back. So when I saw him, his shoulder was really more of a functional stiffness, some deep soft tissue work that he could probably have ameliorated if he was willing to do some stretches. And we did provide him some stretches, but they were still in the stupid zone. So <laughs> I was, okay, that's not gonna work. Um, we'll get back to that in a sec. But so when I worked on his knee, we gave him, we did some work and identified that in fact, um, a couple of his quadricep muscles, and that sounds kind of funny, quad means four, you think you only have four quadricep muscles, but you've got several divisions of several muscles in the knee. And in, in essence, there's three divisions of the vastus lateralis, the quads on the outside, three divisions of the uh, vastus medialis on the inside. And then you have the rectus femoris, two divisions of, of that. And then on top of it, underneath that, you have the vastus intermedius lateralis and the vastus intermedius medialis. So when you take a look at that, that's uh, 10 different muscles that can be not working properly to afford that kneecap happiness. So we identified a couple muscles that were inhibited on him and did some work to reignite, re reunite them with his brain, if you will. And, but more overly, we had to just kind of beat him up with regard to re-grooving re his hinging pattern. And so um, finally, he asked a really good question, how long will it take for me to change my behavior? And I said, well, let's start with this. I want you to do 10 hinges twice a day for three weeks, every day, every day, every day, and put it, somehow put it on your watch, somehow put it on your phone, somehow make it happen. He said, you know, I could do that. That's, that's reasonable for me and it's not a waste of my time and I'm gonna give it a shot. And what I realized for this guy is that he needed um, a certain outcome um, identified for him, how long might it take for something this benign to give me some clinical outcomes? And so I think if you're in the no man's land and deciding something like stretching is stupid or something like doing your, your PT exercise is stupid, maybe the question that you should be asking when someone gives you something to do is to say, how long do you think it might take for me to experience a difference? And of course, as a practitioner, we don't have a we don't have a, a you know a, a magic uh, pad to look at. But what we do have is clinical experience. And my forty years of, of experience says that bodies can change, generally two to three weeks if you're consistent every day, every day, every day. So we'll see how he does. Um, but I feel pretty favorable about it. So I bring that up to you to ask the question, do you have an underlying belief system that your body should just run like a clock no matter what and stretching or taking care of it is just stupid, not useful? Well, you might wanna reconsider. 
and get back into my two balance protocol, go to eightminutestoageless.com and scroll down and go to one of the videos called the two balance protocol and learn that routine. Learn uh, how to get every cardinal range of motion in your body engaged in less than four minutes in the morning while you're standing, even fully dressed with your shoes on. Again, I mentioned this several times uh, over the past year, but I, I really wanted to create um, a stretching program that people did had, had no excuse <laughs> not to do. I don't wanna get on the floor. I don't have a special outfit. I don't blah, 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 whatever. So I just say the only time you can't do that stretch is if you're wearing a mini skirt. And well, that's just probably not going to be the situation most of the time for most of you. And with heels on, it's really hard with heels. I've tried it. Um, okay, so that's that's case number one. Now let me switch to kind of a different um, backdrop in terms of a person who um, didn't necessarily have on a belief system that was keeping him from recovery. It was more that he just kept persevering through the pain. So let me describe him. He's an absolutely fabulous guy, really committed to getting better. He's retired, works super hard. I mean, he's one of those people that does have one hobby called golf, but the rest of the time he's working, even though he's retired, he's just a goer. He's never, never at rest. And, um, his problem was back pain, particularly off to the right side when he would um, just basically all the time, but aggravated by golf and, and just kind of learning to live with it and was not going to quit golfing. And I, and I really respect that, you, you know, the second we retract and quit moving our body, the harder it is to recover. In any event, um, he on first blush, um, he, he came in and told me that he'd been to lots of massage therapists who told him like, boy, you are so stiff. And that was his, that was his um, belief system about his body. And after you hear that several times, you wonder if the stiffness in your body is a permanent phenomenon that you just lived into and there's nothing to be done. Um, and, but for him, he would still try, you know, he would do every stretch that had ever been given to him. And he was very diligent about it. Um, and he had very good motion. He's 67, very good motion in his hips. Like he could stand up, he could pull one knee up to his chest and all the way up and drop it down. And then he could grab his one bent knee and the other part of the foot and pull that up. And he had really good range of motion. So it wasn't hip stiffness that was giving him trouble. And he could bend over and touch his toes. Um, he could lay on his back and then reach up towards his toes. And he could do a sit-up. It wasn't that he had a weak core. He didn't have the ability to actually bend over. Um, but when I would palpate his spine, yes, indeed, there was stiffness. When I would sit behind him and I would push forward and back and try to move him around, there was a lot of stiffness and flexion and extension. And so we spent a fair amount of time doing some distraction protocols. I had him doing a, a traction device called the sit and decompress. You can look that up online. It's kind of a cool harness that you can put on a chin-up bar. 
and the weight of your weight of your pelvis is being pulled down. It's very great for degenerative disc changes. And um, finally, and we weren't we weren't really making a lot of progress. It was frustrating him and frustrating me. And so, what I realized is that he, um, you know, had been busting through his pain level with with uh, golf and through through rotation. But on my exam, I I was ex I was expecting to find more problems with flexion and extension forward and back than I was rotation. But on this this day, I decided to really um, think like maybe he is working through his rotational limitation through golf, which happens to happen quite quickly, right? When you're swinging, you, there's nothing slow about the swing except for um, at the very end when you slow down. And and I recognize that he was kind of a speedy Gonzalez with most of his activities and most of his stretches. So I, I decided to really spend time slowing up the rotational stretch. And I had him laying on his side and we went painstakingly very, very slow through a rotational stretch where he was actively helping me stretch. And, um, and it was hard uh, to do, but he was able to do it. And then we repeated it on the other side. And I noted a lot of restriction, but again, not much more restriction than I had noted in flexion extension, except this time he got off the table and the pain that he had had for like 10 years was about 75% better. And what I realized is that, and, and I, I own part of this mistake as well, but what I realized is that we had been focused on the fullness of his range of motion and kind of an assumption because he could golf and rotate that um, that wasn't his problem. Uh, but it turns out that the, the way he stretched through rotation was always quite ballistic, very quick and very fast. And myofascial fibers don't really like ballistic stretching. Sometimes they need lengthening and uh, hanging out in lengthened poses. So that's what we did with him with treatment. And um, it was very exciting. So what, how we're translating that is for him with, with his stretches is to slow down and maybe even get in a posture where he's laying on his side on, on his bed. And let's say he's on his right side and his left arm is up over his head and his left knee is bent and hanging off the edge of the bed. And then he's gonna roll his back and his left arm backwards towards the other side of the bed. So you're getting this fabulous myofascial rotational stretch. And then he's gonna hang out there for a minute, a truly a minute. And if his wife is so willing to help, she might be able to hang on to his hand and help him pull the arm, you know, push his arm backward. Or she might be able to stand on the side of the bed and put her body in the crook of his knee with her legs perhaps, and then push the knee up. So there's more rotation. Either way, the focus is on slowing down his stretch. And um, he had been working hard quickly <laughs> his speed of therapy has always been quite quick in to get it done and what we had to recognize with him is that we had to slow him down and one of the things we also did with him that i think has been quite helpful 
is that we taught him to do some breathing and some meditation and he really loves it and super surprised. So I think there's a, a piece of the work we're doing with him was where he thought he had to do more work, more quickly, more of it. And we're changing his mindset to doing, maybe you just need to do the right stretch slower and consistently and to trust the fact that in the absence of qual quantity, you still can get quality. So those are two examples. One guy who thought stretching was stupid and never would do it um, and needed uh, really needed to be told, what, 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 what can I get out of this anyway? And to be given the right movement pattern to work with. And another guy who had been dealing with his body efficiently and effectively and quickly and not meeting not meeting um, the needs of his body. And so he really taught me a big lesson as well because I missed it. And, and sometimes when, as a practitioner, you know, you're, you get sucked into the biases of your patient, the way they think about their body, the way they move their body, their methodology. And that's something that we all need to be present about in the conversation with patients and patients with their doctors. So I hope that is insightful for you. I'm always, you know, 40 years into practice and I'm always learning from all my patients. And that would only happen if, if uh, I believe I don't have all the answers. And that's easy because I don't have all the answers, but I continue to learn and it's quite my honor to do so. All right, y'all, we'll talk next week. Um, we've got some exciting news about the civility workshop. I've done two now and it's really been extraordinary. We'll, we'll talk about some outcomes that time. Take care. In keeping with my minimalistic approach to life, I keep this podcast short and only add the most critical points, not adding fluff. So for today, we are done, but I hope you will do a few minutes of the good stuff we talked about. If you have not picked up the book, you can get it on Amazon. The website, 8minutestoageless.org, will have the show notes and any videos that I mentioned on this podcast. I thank you for spending your precious 20 minutes with me. And as always, you can reach out and contact me via the website. Remember, one day at a time, you are getting bolder and not older. I look forward to seeing you next week.